Thank you for joining us here at Life Church. It's an honor to share God's word with you today. Our prayer is that you will connect with Jesus Christ as you hear his word online. We would love to have you visit one of our upcoming gatherings. For more information, visit our website at www.lifechurchofrichmond.org or contact our church offices and we'll be happy to help you in any way that we can. Let's go now to one of our recent services where you can experience a life-giving message from God's Word.
every praise, every praise, every praise, every praise, every praise, every praise to, our to our God. Yes, that's it. Sing hallelujah, Sing hallelujah to our God. To our God. Glory praise somebody. Hallelujah. Come on, you know he's worthy. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Come on, you woke up this morning, you had breath in your body, come on. There's food on your table, hallelujah. Come on, God is good, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Every praise belongs to you, God. Every praise belongs to you. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Thanks be to God. Hallelujah. Amen. Before you're seated, why don't you turn around, shake hands with your neighbor, tell him it's good to see him in the house of the Lord. Somebody's iPad. Amen, amen. Craig, if you could give me some monitor here, please. It sounds like, yeah. Everybody enjoying this amazing weather right now? Yeah, me too. It won't be long, it'll be fall, but enjoy it while you can. Enjoy it while you can. Apparently a whole lot of people are out enjoying the weather today. Jesus, help us, Lord. So that means y'all going to have to say amen for the person that's normally next to you that's not here today. Can you do that? Can you help us with that today? Amen. Now, over the last few years, we got a cleaning crew coming in. Y'all just ignore them. Over the last few years, beginning in 2015, I've been preaching a series of messages from the book of Acts. Uh, in 2015, we went for 19 weeks. 2016, we went for 15 weeks. And in 2017 and 2018, I did them in the summer. I did summer series of eight and seven messages. And so today we're going back to the book of Acts, and we're going to be in the book of Acts for the rest of the summer. As a matter of fact, every New Testament church ought to be in the book of Acts every week, right? Now, I'm not talking about the sermon, but I'm talking about the life and the lifestyle. We are the New Testament church. Can everybody say amen? Born in the fire of Pentecost. So thank God for the apostles. Now, we're going to pick up today where I left off in the end of the series in Acts chapter 9. And believe it or not, today will be message number 50 in the book of Acts. Too bad I'm not preaching on the day of Pentecost, right? 50 for all you Bible scholars out there. Pentecost means the 50th day, 50th uh, week, of, uh, the Feast of Pentecost rather. Now, let's go to Acts chapter 9. If you have your Bibles, go to verse 36. And while you're finding it, 
In the last message, I preached about the first of two miraculous healings that were found at the end of Acts chapter 9, the healing uh, of a paralyzed man named Aeneas by the Apostle Peter. And today I want to look at the second miracle. And I'm not preaching, uh, I'm probably not going to preach too long today, so be ready, band, don't wander too far. <laughs> Amen. We need you to be engaged. I'm sure some of you are probably wondering what's going on. You're going to find out right now. Acts chapter 9, let's go to verse 36. Says there was a believer in Joppa named Tabitha, which in Greek is Dorcas. Which, by the way, that just simply means her Hebrew given name was Tabitha, and when you uh, her Greek name was Dorcas. I kind of like Tabitha better, right? She was always doing kind things for others and helping the poor. About this time, she became ill and died. Her body was washed for burial and laid in an upstairs room. But the believers had heard that Peter was nearby at Lydda, so they sent two men to beg him, please come as soon as possible. So Peter returned with them, and as soon as he arrived, they took him to the upstairs room. The room was filled with widows who were weeping and showing him the coats and other clothes Dorcas had made for them. By the way, that's the same one, Dorcas, as Tabitha. But Peter asked them all to leave the room. Then he knelt and prayed. And turning to the body, he said, Get up, Tabitha. And she opened her eyes. And when she saw Peter, she sat up. He gave her his hand and helped her up. Then he called in the widows and all the believers, and he presented her to them alive. The news spread through the whole town, and many believed in the Lord. And Peter stayed a long time in Joppa, living with Simon, a tanner of hides. Now, that's another sermon altogether, by the way. I won't even go into all that. But he wasn't really supposed to be hanging out with a guy in that industry. But I just love how the book of Acts just turned the whole uh, Old Testament on its ear. But I want you to notice verse 40. It says, but Peter asked them all to leave the room. Before he could raise Tabitha from the dead, he asked everybody to get out of the room. And here's what I want to preach to you about today. Clear the room. Clear the room. Turn to your neighbor and say, your miracle might be waiting for you to clear the room. Why don't we pray together right now? Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, you brought us to this moment, to the hearing, the preaching of the Word of God. <clears throat> Help us to open our hearts, our minds, our ears, our spirits to receive the Word. I pray, God, that this would be a life-changing moment for some people in this room. Help us, God, to do what you've called us to do. We ask it in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. Amen. God bless you. The saints in Joppa knew of the ministry of Peter and had heard of the recent healings of Aeneas and Lydda. Now, Lydda, this was in the first part of Acts chapter 9. Lydda was only a short distance from Joppa. It was probably only about five miles. And in this story, we see uh, a couple of key things that took place regarding this miracle. The first thing I want to point out to you is the faith of the saints of God. Now, Dorcas was a faithful saint who had tragically died. And apparently, she was heavily involved in ministry. She was serving the saints of God. And the believers were devastated by her passing. 
There were many poor people among them, many people that the church uh, had helped, and apparently Dorcas was heavily involved in ministry to the saints. And so these saints were devastated by her death, but instead of giving up and accepting the dire circumstances that they had found themselves in, hope began to rise within some of them. You know why? Because they had heard. Peter is close by. He's at the next town. He's at Lydda. And have you heard what happened when he went to Lydda? Did you hear about the healing of the paralyzed man named Aeneas? Did you hear about what took place? And so maybe even some of them there had personally witnessed Jesus performing miracles and possibly even saw him raise people from the dead. Now, uh, apparently, as far as we can tell, up to this point, there had been no recorded raisings of the dead from that time since Jesus' death until now. But there were some people in that group of disciples who apparently had some faith that maybe, just maybe, something amazing can happen for our friend Dorcas. So instead of rushing off to bury her, as, uh, which, by the way, was the custom of the Jews, as a matter of fact, it was considered disrespectful to leave a corpse unburied overnight. If you died on Monday morning, you were buried by Monday evening. If you died Monday afternoon, you were buried by Monday night. You didn't leave a corpse. It was considered disrespectful or dishonorable to leave them unburied overnight. But they washed her body, and the Bible says instead of taking her to the graveyard, they took her to an upper chamber. <laughs> and they sent two men. They said, look, we want you to go out, and we want you to find Peter, and we want you to see if he would come and pray for her that she might possibly be raised from the dead. These saints of God had enough faith not to bury her, and they had enough faith to go and send for a man of God to come and pray that life would return. Now, before I get too far into this sermon today, I want to tell you, I'm here to tell somebody that even though your promise, your dream, your hopes, it might seem dead, I just want to tell you, don't bury it just yet. Don't bury it yet. Dorcas might be dead, but I've got good news. The one who raises people from the dead is in this house today. The one who raises dreams from the dead is in this house today. People might have told you that your dream was over, but thank God for the friends of Dorcas who are going to say, don't bury her yet. Just wait. A miracle might still happen. And I like what the two men said in verse 38 when they found Peter. From the New Living Translation, they said, please come as soon as possible. From the New King James, it says, they were imploring him not to delay in coming. From the NIV, it says, they urged him, please come at once. They knew nighttime is coming. They knew we're going to have to bury her if something doesn't happen real soon. We need a miracle and we need it right now. We don't want to bury her, and we can't leave her like that all night. So, Peter, we need you to come right now. So, Peter, responding to their faith, the Bible says he got up and he went with them. And when he got there, he didn't just find the ones that believed that the power of Christ could raise her from the dead. He found another group of people there, too. Look at verse 39. So Peter returned with them, and as soon as he arrived, they took him to the upstairs room. 
the room was filled with widows who were weeping and showing him the coats and other clothes that Dorcas had made for them. Now, the Bible says he arrived to a room full of crying and a room full of weeping. He arrived to a room full of widows who apparently were wearing some of the clothes and the coats that Dorcas had made them, and they were showing them to Peter. Maybe they were showing them, I don't know, in an effort to say, Peter, look how amazing she was. Look what she did for all of us. You've got to do something. Now, I'm not here to judge them. Maybe they were weeping because their friend had died. Maybe they were weeping because they realized that her ministry to the poor and and making clothes and helping the community was coming to an end. Maybe they were weeping because they didn't really think that she could be raised from the dead. Maybe they were just weeping because that was the custom of the day. As a matter of fact, they actually would hire professional mourners to come and weep. In the, Old Te- in the days of the Old Testament and the early days of the New Testament. They would hire somebody to come and cry at your funeral. Now, I hope none of us have to hire somebody to come cry at your funeral. Because if you die and nobody's there crying, I promise you I will try to shed a tear on your behalf. But I don't think that they were professional mourners because... These were women who had been directly impacted by her. You know why? Look at my clothes. Look at what I'm wearing. But whatever their reason, hear me, the environment was not conducive to the miraculous based on what Peter did next. In verse 40, it says that Peter, who, by the way, was copying something that Jesus did once in the Gospels, Peter asked them, I need all of y'all to leave the room. Peter had to get along with God. And I think he also had to get rid of any doubt and any negativity and any mourning and any grieving and any weeping and any wailing. He had to get all of them out of the room so he might pray in the Holy Ghost and find the will of God and ask God to perform a miracle. Now, the Bible doesn't say this, but I want you to stop and imagine the pressure that was on Peter right now. The last dude that raised somebody from the dead was a guy by the name of J-E-S-U-S. Hey, Peter, we heard that you just healed a paralyzed guy, but we need you to step up your faith game just a little bit because we've got confidence in you. we got a great woman of God. She's amazing. We need you to come and pray for her, and we hope that she'll be raised from the dead. And I bet you that was the longest five-mile journey Peter ever took in his life. I bet he thought, you hope she gets raised from the dead. (laughs) You better believe that I hope she gets raised from the dead. But whatever the situation was, when Peter got there, he realized this was not an environment that is conducive for me to either get a hold of God or for God to do what he wanted to do. Maybe he thought, you know what, I'm not going to showboat this. I don't need a bunch of spectators. I don't need a bunch of people watching. If God does it, I want God to get the glory for it. I don't know exactly what the reason was, but Peter said we need you all to clear out of the room. So God can do what he needs to do. I need you to clear the room so we can create an environment that's conducive for a miracle. And church, I want to tell you here today, some of you, you need to hear what I'm getting ready to say. When you need to hear from God, sometimes you've got to get rid of every negative voice, every negative environment, and every negative influence that is in your life. 
Some of you will not get Dorcas back until you clear the room. What is it that you need to clear out of your life in order to see God raise your promise from the dead? Sometimes the room that you have to clear is going to be the room up here, your own mind. We've got to get the knowledge of God's truth in us. We've got to renew our minds with His Word. We've got to tear down strongholds and every high and lofty thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. 2 Corinthians 10, 4 and 5 says it this way, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. Verse 5, casting down arguments. And every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Notice, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Paul tells us our weapons are not carnal or fleshly. They're spiritual. We need spiritual weapons because we are fighting a spiritual fight. Even Jesus used the weapon of the word when he was in the wilderness to defeat the devil. Each time that the devil lied to him, you know what Jesus said? It is written. (coughs) And he quoted him the word. Rodney already uh, Pastor Rodney already talked about this in his series, so I'm not going to belabor the point. But you win the battle of your mind by taking authority with the Word of God. Amen. By putting on the whole armor of God, by pulling down strongholds, by casting out the wrong thinking and getting rid of every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing your thoughts into captivity. Some of you need to clear the room of your mind. Because thoughts are powerful. And they have creative as well as destructive ability. And when your mind is taking you down the wrong path, you've got to redirect it. What kind of thinking do you need to clear out? For some of us, it's negative thinking. Just negative thinking. All these terrible thoughts that that come eventually to all of us. You just need to clear them out. I see dust flying. Maybe we need a new vacuum cleaner up here. Because hear me, even if there's a grain of truth existing in that particular negative thought, where you plant that seed determines how and if it will grow. You've got to watch negative thinking. Negative thoughts that are allowed to grow will choke out the truth and will smother your joy and become your focus. You know what else you need to clear out of your mind? A close neighbor to negative thinking is fearful thinking or worrisome thinking. We can quote, God has not given us the spirit of fear, but you're consumed with fear about your bills, or maybe your relationships, or maybe your job problems, or what's happening in society, or what if my taxes go up, or what if I get laid off? Clear the room. Clear the room. Clear the room. It might be relational fears. Your marriage is getting rocky, or you're not married and you're afraid that your time is running out, or you're a parent of a kid and you're worried about the decisions that they're making. Relational fears. Then there's discontented thoughts that we have. We don't like to communicate them out loud because we're embarrassed about it. I don't like my body. I wish I looked different. I'm single, and I wish I was married. Or even worse, I'm married, and I wish I was single. <laughs> I wish I had children, or I had more children, or I had different children, or I had no children. I wish I made more money. I wish I could get ahead. Discontented thoughts that we've got to clear out of the room. Because they're holding us hostage 
They're holding us back. They're holding us back from becoming what God wants us to be. You see, if our thoughts affect what we become, then it should certainly be a priority for us to get right thoughts. And sometimes you've got to clear out the wrong thinking in order to do that. I want to impress on you today the absolute necessity of getting your thinking in line with the Word of God. You cannot have a positive life and a negative mind. You cannot have a positive life and a negative mind. Thank you. The eighth chapter of Romans teaches us that if we mind the things of the flesh, we will walk in the flesh. But if we mind the things of the Spirit, what? We will walk in the Spirit. Your life right now might be in a state of utter chaos because of years of wrong thinking. You know what it's time to do? Clear the room. Clear the room. Clear the room. Do whatever you got to do to clear the room. Be serious about tearing down strongholds. Be serious about the things that Satan has put into your brain. Use your weapons of the word, of praise, of prayer, of the armor of God. Use the weapon of worship when you are at home. And definitely use it when you come to church. Can I say something? We need to wake up during praise and worship at Life Church. Come on. It's an opportunity for you to clear your spiritual mind. Amen? Come on. And you know what I need? Instead of us just looking around the room saying, why isn't everybody praising and worshiping? Why don't you show them how to do it? Hallelujah. Come on. we got to wake up our minds. And sometimes what you need on Sunday morning, you've got to worship God. You need to raise your hands. You need to raise your voice. You need to clap your hands. You might need to dance in the spirit. You might even need to run the aisles. Come on, somebody. we got to clear the room. And the best way you can clear your mind is praise and worship. It's the best way. Praise and worship. When your mind is cluttered, when your thinking is polluted, you know what you need to do if you're not at church? Turn on some praise and worship music. Begin to pray. Begin to talk to God. Right thinking is vital to victorious living. we got to be serious about thinking right. Clear the room of your mind. You know another room we need to clear? Some of us need to clear out some sin. Are you talking to... The guests today, right? Because we're Christians. No, no, no. I'm talking to the Christians. And if a guest catches something, that's fantastic. Judgment begins at the house of the Lord. Sometimes you need to clear out the room of a prevailing sin that you just cannot seem to get the victory over. You want to know what's wrong with Christianity today? There's not enough churches and not enough pulpits talking about sin. We're afraid to mention the three-letter word, S-I-N. For some of you, and I say this in love, the door of the miraculous is being held closed by the sin that's in your life. I'm your pastor, and I love you enough to tell you the truth. A lot of Christians are moving away from God one degree at a time. We have become too acclimated to the world and too tolerable of our own sins for our own good. We can see the sin in everybody else, but we can't see the moat that's in our own eye. See, but the Lord has called us to a higher level of living. 
in the unclean and, un and contaminated world that we live in. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 17 says, Therefore, come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. Do not touch what is unclean, and I will receive you. Yes, that is still in your Bible. See, now I, can't, I, I recognize that we can't live in a bubble or build a community that, and, and live in our own little Christian fortress. And I'll be honest, I wouldn't want to do that even if we could. Because we're supposed to be salt and light. We're supposed to be an influence in this world, not the other way around. Amen? But we also cannot continually immerse ourselves in every aspect of the world around us and let culture and ungodly influences determine our lifestyle habits for us because we are the people of God. So I'm asking you, do you have enough integrity to look in the mirror of your own life and pull out the broom and say, I got some sin that I need to sweep out. Oh, help us, Jesus. And as God's people, we've got to acknowledge that there has to be some lines of right and wrong somewhere. Everything cannot be a gray issue in your life. There has to be a way that we can discern if something is drawing us closer to God or if it's pulling us farther away. Here's a two-word sentence that we would all do good to remember. You got your pens? You got your phones? Are you ready? Take this home with you. Everything counts. Everything counts. Everything that we allow into our minds, into our hearts, into our lives Everything we spend our money on or give our time to, every movie we watch, every Netflix film we see, every song we listen to, every image that we ponder or dwell on has an impact on us. Everything counts. Every idle word of gossip, every lie, every swear word, every profane thought counts. Remember the old computer adage, garbage in, garbage out. And just as we are what we eat physically, we are what we eat spiritually. And the Bible constantly reminds us we've got to check our spiritual diet for sin and weights that can pull us down. Let me just, let me just tell you, I had back surgery uh, almost six months ago. And then uh, my dad was sick for a while and I was running back and forth. We were eating at a lot of restaurants. I haven't been able to exercise like I want to. So long story short, after six months, I've gained about 12 pounds. I can feel it. I feel sluggish. My clothes don't fit me the way I want them to. Hey, anybody know what it's like to only have a few things in your closet that you feel comfortable wearing? Yeah, if you've seen these black pants a lot, it's for a reason. Hallelujah. Glory to God. I need to drop about 10 or 15 in order to feel comfortable. But here's what I know, and you know why I'm telling you that? The only way it's going to happen is i got to get with the program. It's been six months. I need to quit talking about my back. I'm no longer having to make all the restaurant runs because I'm not running back and forth to be with my dad. It's time to get back in the gym and do what I can. It's time. If I can't do that, you know what I can do? I can control my elbow exercises. What am I trying to say? If you want to have good health, you've got to take personal discipline. 
Nobody can do it for you. The trainer's not going to lift the weights for you. The personal trainer is not going to do the work for you. Your dietician is not going to go to the grocery store and buy the groceries and cook the meal and make sure you're not eating uh, Bluebell at 10 p.m., which my wife was out of town, and I did that three times this week. They say confession is good for the soul. I don't know if it's good for the waist, but there it was. I was so glad when I got the last scoop out of that jug of ice cream yesterday, and I thought, God help me not to go back to Kroger. (laughs) See, everything counts. You know, we're we're joking about it today, but every spoonful of Bluebell matters. Somebody brought me a beautiful cinnamon roll and lemon uh, muffin, and it's sitting on my desk. I just got it right before I came out here to preach. I can't wait to get in there and eat one of them. Guess what? Every bite counts. (laughs) Now, before we get lost in the frivolity of the moment, I want you to look at Proverbs 25, 26. Like a muddied spring or a polluted well are the righteous who give way to the wicked. Every bite counts. Every glance counts. Every thought counts. Every action counts. Every word counts. It might be an internal struggle that you have anger, lust, resentment, jealousy, and addiction, bitterness. Everything counts. You say, it's just the way I am. Do you know what it is? It's a cancer that is spreading through your soul. Everything counts. So i got to ask you, Proverbs 25, 26, how muddy is the spring? How polluted is the well of your life? It might be time to clear the room. You know how you do that? It's not complicated. You do it through repentance. You do it through prayer. You do it at the altar. And then you get up off of your knees from praying, and then you change some habits through discipline. You get an accountability partner if you're struggling in an area, and you tell them, no, look, I'm having a hard time. I need you to check in with me every so often and ask me how I'm doing in this area of my life. On Friday night, in our leadership training, I asked our dream team to commit to an honor code that we would live our lives to the glory of God. And I gave some some specifics of what that looked like. I wish more of you would have been here, but that's another subject. See, we've got to get serious about sin if we want to bring glory to God as His disciples. Matter of fact, today I've got some of those honor codes at the Welcome Center. If you want to pick one up on your way out, you can do that. But it's a commitment we're going to ask everybody that serves in ministry to do. You want to know why? This church and our community deserves leaders and people serving in the kingdom of God that are trying to keep their well unpolluted. I told our, I told our team this on Friday night. Your children deserve an unpolluted well teaching them in Sunday school. Your young people deserve unpolluted wells helping them navigate through middle school and high school. Amen? Come on. We need, you as a church deserve unpolluted wells that are leading us in praise and worship on this platform and trying to help usher us into the presence of God. You deserve pastors who are endeavoring to be unpolluted wells. Not perfect wells. I'm no Dasani. I'm no Aquafina, but I'm doing the best that I can. You got to clear the room of your mind. You got to clear the room of sin. 
And for some of us, we need to clear the room of our relationships. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 33 says, Do not be deceived. Evil company corrupts good habits. I want you to see the same verse from the NIV. I like it. Do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. Bad company corrupts good character. Well, I'm just being salt and light. Well, here's the question. Are you really being salt and light? See, a very basic but powerful truth is being given to us in this passage. Be very careful not to be tricked into allowing bad relationships to corrupt and destroy your Christian character. Here's what George Washington said. He said, associate with men of good quality if you esteem your reputation, for it is better to be alone than in bad company. That's what George Washington said, and he wasn't even talking about Christians. It's better to be alone than to be hanging out with the wrong people. I don't have a lot of friends. That's okay. Just make sure the ones you have are good friends. See, the people around us can be a great blessing or they can be a great hindrance. Our family and our friends and our coworkers can be life-giving and inspiring or they can be life-draining and toxic. The people closest to you, hear me, they will be your greatest spiritual asset or your greatest spiritual liability. That's why we harp on so much getting into a small group. That's why we offer you so many options and choices of small groups. We want you to be around good people. And if some of the people in the group are struggling, we want you to be able to be salt and light and help them. How is it that our relationships can corrupt us? I'm not just referring to casual acquaintances at school or on the job, but I'm talking about your intimate circle, your oikos is the Greek word, the friends and and your buddies and the intimate circle of associations that you keep. Our friends become the measure of what we are. One of the most influential forces in our lives is the company that we keep. Those people with whom our spirit and personality become comfortable. The people whose presence and company we enjoy. Hear me, there's times I'm in the presence or in the uh, spend time with people who my lifestyle is not compatible with theirs. Uh, I don't agree with what they're doing, but I still love them. I'm not on some ego trip. I'm not on some high horse. I'm not better than any. And by the way, let me just say this. You're not better than the worst. You're no better than the worst person that you know. You've just been fortunate enough to come in contact with the grace of God in your life. Always remember that, amen? There but for the grace of God go you and go I. But we have to remember the people whose presence and company we enjoy. What is it that we enjoy? Proverbs 13 and 20 says this, He that walketh with wise men shall be wise, but a companion of fools shall be destroyed. It's time for some of us to say, Fool, you got to go. You got to go. You got to go. Because everything matters, including relationships. The Bible's full of examples of this. I don't have time to go in deep. Just just look at Lot's family in Sodom. Study the final outcome of the influences of Sodom on Lot's family. Look where he chose to put his family and what it did to them. Parents, be careful where you choose to put your children. Can I just say this? Uh, You might have a great job opportunity somewhere. If there's not a good church in that area, in that community, don't take that job because it's not worth it. 
You might have an opportunity to move to a neighborhood that won't allow you to be in a good church. Don't move to that neighborhood. Stay close to the house of God and the people of God in your life. Look at Samson. Samson's love of women that he should not be with ultimately led to his fall and his death. Look at Amnon. Read the story of Amnon in 2 Samuel. It says Amnon had a friend whose name was Jonadab. I I could preach a whole sermon, and there was a great sermon preached one time by a preacher that I know. And he said Amnon had a friend. And that friend led to Amnon's destruction. You read the story. I won't steal the thunder here today. Judas, his betrayal of Jesus might have been averted had he not been hanging around so much with the enemies of Jesus. Hang around with those who are negative or oppose the move of God and you're going to end up like them. 2 Corinthians 6.14. Here's a verse some of you haven't heard in a long time. Do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness, and what communion has light with darkness? By the way, unequally yoked means to have fellowship with or to be in union with someone who is not an equal. This refers to our friendships, our associations. It also is referring to our dating. Now, again, I know I'm sounding old. I'm starting to show my age. This used to be common knowledge in the church. I don't know how so many believers have gotten away from this, but I've got to remind you today if you're single, your dating relationships must be limited to those who are committed Christians. Can some of the married people say amen? Because can, can, I know the married people can say amen to this because marriage is hard enough sometimes when you're with a committed Christian. Come here, uh, come here, Robin, real quick. Just run up here real fast. I just want to illustrate this. The idea of the yoke. You know what a yoke is? It's a piece of wood that they would hook two oxen together with. And the idea is, face this way, one oxen, no, I'm sorry, face the the audience. One oxen will have, just grab that on the, one oxen, you would be hooked to one part of the yoke. And the other oxen is supposed to be hooked to the other part of the yoke. And if they are unequally yoked, she said, Al, we're getting old. If they're unequally yoked, if they don't know how to walk in harmony with each other, guess what happens? You can't get anything done. You can't get any work accomplished. Next thing you know, the oxen are going to be biting on one another. They're going to be pulling at one another. The mission cannot be accomplished if you're unequally yoked. I don't know who I, I just feel I need to drill down on this. You better be careful. You better be careful. I remember when I was a teenager, 15 years old, got my first job working at Bonanza on Parham Road, busting tables. Next thing you know, I was flipping steaks. I got in church right about the same time, started serving the Lord. I couldn't get a girlfriend to save my life, but as soon as I got in church, God is my witness. The cutest girls at Bonanza, they were knocking on my door. Hey, will you give me a ride home tonight? One girl, no joke. Hey, will you give me a ride home tonight? We both have to open in the morning, and my parents are out of town. You can just stay at my house with me. By now, I'm 16. I'm Holy Ghost filled. I've been walking in the Spirit about three months, and I was sweating bullets. Jesus, take the wheel. Because if I take the wheel, somebody's going to be riding home. I'm going to be taking them to their house. But you know what? I made it. I made it. 
I made it. By the way, in case I'm not being clear, I did not take her home. I did not spend the night. I weathered those relationships. And you know what? It dawned on me all of a sudden. I'm not any better looking than I was three months ago. I'm not any more Rico Suave than I was. I don't have my game. I'm still just an old country boy driving my dad's Dodge pickup the truck, wearing my boots and my chain. That was me. But you know what? Now I had a target on my back from the devil. And he wanted to destroy me any way that he could. And that included girls. That included hanging out with the guys after work. They always wanted me to go. And we, they would sit in the parking lot and drink beer. We would trade food. We, not we, but they would trade food with the guys at 7-Eleven for beer. And when they would shut, no wonder Bonanza's closed down now, by the way. They would sit in the parking lot drinking beer. And you know what? Buddy, stay and hey, hang out with us. Have a beer. I said, I got to get in my car and I got to go because God's got a better plan for my life. I just came out of that. I'm not going back into that. I don't know why I'm spending so much time on this, but I want to help some of you. Be careful who you hang out with. Be careful what you do when you hang out with them. God didn't call you to be everybody's designated driver because one day somebody's going to be driving you home. Clean the room. But I'm not going to have any friends. Yes, you will. Clean the room. You just have some new friends. And some of those people will still be your friend, but now they'll respect you at a different level. Clean the room. You know what? Come on, band. Praise team. Clean the room. Clear the room. I want you to stand with me all over this house. I'm 52 years old. I've been serving the Lord since I was 16. I've been a pastor since I was 29. Can I tell you there's still seasons in my life where i got to get the broom out. And I brought this one for a reason. Because sometimes this cute little duster, oh, I'm going to clean the room. Got to clean some stuff from my life. I see a little dust in this part of my life. Let me just fix this. No, no, no. Some of you. Why are you doing that? Because I'm serious. I got to get out of this stuff. I got to get out of this mess. I've been using the duster too long. It's time to get out the shovel. It's time to get out the mop. It's time to get out the broom. It's time to get out the vacuum. It's time to get out the Swiffer. It's time to get out whatever I got to get out. It's time to do whatever I need to do. See, because I'm not just serving God to be cute. This isn't a game. And hear me, I don't know any other simple way to put it, and I hope I'm not being too careful. If you're going to be a Christian, why mess around on the edges and not be a good Christian or a good sinner? Because if I backslide, I'm you'd never see me again. Be reading about me in the papers. 
Because whatever I do, I'm going to do it with all I have. I'm going to give it my best shot. So I want to ask you today, what, I'm not asking you, do you need to clean the room? No, no, no. That's a rhetorical question. I'm going to ask you, how bad do you need to clear the room? What do you need to clear from the room? Remember the purpose of this. We want to see Dorcas raised to life. We want to see Dorcas raised to life. Because you know what happened after they cleared the room, after Peter raised her from the dead? Look at Acts 9.42. Let me clarify. After Jesus raised her from the dead through Peter. The news spread through the whole town. And many believed in the Lord. Because Peter had enough wherewithal to clear out the clutter. Because Peter had enough sense to create an environment that was conducive for a miracle. And because she was raised from the dead, the entire community was impacted. Who will you impact What is God still waiting to do in your life? But he's just waiting for you to clear the room so he can do the miraculous. I'm going to open this altar right now. While I'm talking, some of you just need to run down here. Say, God, I'm ready. I'm ready. I know you love Jesus, but how bad do you want to go to the next level? Come on, some of you might be something as simple. I need to forgive somebody once and for all. i got to put this in my past. I've got to release some bitterness. Some of you, it's a prevailing sin. Maybe it's an addiction. Just maybe it's a struggle. Maybe it's not even a sin, but it's a weight that's holding you down. Everything that you need to clear doesn't have to be a sin. It might just be some weight. It might be okay for Davina or Michael or Emily, but it's not good for me. i got to clear it out of my life. How bad do you want to go to the next level? How bad? Oh, search my heart, God. See if there be any wicked way in me. Wash me. Cleanse me. Take not your Holy Spirit from me. Let's begin to cry out to God right now all over this house. Do it, Lord. Do the work in me, God. Do it in me, God. Do it in me, God. You deserve the glory. You deserve it, God. That's it. None of us are perfect, and that's all right, but we all need to strive. We all need to press toward the mark. Oh, God, clear the room of my heart. Clear the room of my mind. Help me to forgive. Help me to love again. Help me to get back to the proper alignment with my relationships. Do whatever I need to do. Help me to walk away from sin. Help me to get back to some of my convictions that I used to embrace. Help me, God. Help me, God. Help me, God. Because I love you too much to compromise. I love you too much to give you half of my heart and half of my life. You deserve it, Lord. That's it all over this house. And the other.
Deserve the glory. You deserve the glory. 